0: Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney E. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is our Round 19 preview. I say it every week, we're getting to the pointy end, but boy oh boy, is this a big week of footy. Coming up with some bumper games, defining games. As I say, very good morning to my Footyology Podcast co-host, Mr. Rodney E. Do you look forward to it, Rocket? Uh, Very much so, Rowan, how are you? Going well? Good, I'm going well. Yeah, yeah, it's a big round, isn't
1: it? Uh, I think six of the top eight are playing each other. Um, so first v. second and third v. fifth. And, and obviously, you know, we kick off with the Essendon Bulldogs game, seventh v. so quite far as defining. But even some games outside that with Melbourne and Adelaide and, uh, and the Giants and, uh, and, and Gold Coast Sun, so it's really quite a pivotal weekend. It really can be season-defining as far as who's going to make the finals.
0: Well, we have some massive previews of all these games coming up and uh, plenty of news to talk about too, which we're going to do right now. On Footyology Newsfeed. Well, let's start with some coaching news and uh, legendary coach, we can call him Alistair Clarkson, back on deck at North Melbourne and not a moment too soon, given uh, how poorly the Roos are going. Uh, Clarko spoke to the media yesterday. Uh, He's been doing some support work for Brett Radden, standing coach. Uh, He said he won't be in charge on game day just yet. He said, I've been incredibly fortunate the club has given me the opportunity to take some time to recalibrate my physical and mental well-being. Uh, I've been involved in the game for a long period of time. It does take its toll. I found that out the hard way about 10 weeks ago. Clarkson suggested it would be unfair if he immediately replaced Ratton. I'm so very, very mindful. I've had little to do with the program over the last eight weeks, so it would be a little bit disrespectful if I walked straight back into the club and just expected I need to find out what's been going on, what the way of land is, out of respect for Rats, just to try to slowly reintegrate my way back in. Uh, today's my first real contact day with the players. It's just going to take a bit of time. It might mean that I don't coach again this year, but it's probably more likely that we'll be later rather than sooner, remembering that uh, Clarkson is on a five-year deal with the Roos. It's an unusual situation, Rocket, isn't it? I can't remember. I mean, you'd remember, um, well, not that you were there then, but you'd remember the Hawthorne thing with Alan Jeans and Alan oh, Joyce. George, yeah. yes, but... You but midway through a season, I'm not sure I remember too many... Oh, I've mean, had coaches been seen. In fact, that happened to Clarko, didn't it? Brendan Bolton replaced him at Hawthorne for, I think I it was four, four, games. four games. But this one's a bit different because it's it's uh, a mental health thing rather than a physical... It's interesting territory, isn't
1: it? It is. Uh, and, yeah, you know, it's so much unknown with mental health. Uh, it's really the individual, how they code and how they are. So it's really got to be... Up to Alistair and uh, his medical advisors uh, when he thinks it's best to come back. But you now it's been eight or nine games. So uh, I, th- I thought North had actually progressed reasonably well. Um, but they fought, as we mentioned last week, they've fallen off at least the last three weeks. It's really exposed, really exposed. And so perhaps Alistair won't coach again this year because it might affect his win loss ratio. And say, well, hey, we'll lose every week. Perhaps I'll come back next year. That's a very cynical...
0: (laughs) No, it's just trying to be... I like it. I like it. Um, Would there be anything to be gained at all from him coming back now? I, I must admit, I'm in two minds about this because the players have had a bit of a taste of him, but not a heap. But maybe he's better off sort of staying hands off. They do whatever list adjustments they want to do and he goes again. You know, rather than sort of come in now, r- adjust his message and then adjust it again accordingly for next year, depending on who's still on the list or who's added to the list. Um, yeah, i
1: thinking about it, and just quickly. Think, I, I I tend to agree with you. I don't think there's anything to be, be gained. I think if Brett can keep doing it. Alice can come in and out, so they see him. The, they know he's watching. They know he's part of it. Acts like a, a senior assistant, I suppose, if that's the right phrase. And, Um, But you're right, there's probably at least half a dozen, maybe eight or nine players are going to be there next year. So I don't see any value really if he's, uh, at least he's really 100% and he's he's went on to go. I I think it'd be better for him just to cast his eye over, look at it, uh, be part of the uh, list management, what they're going to do recruiting, and then he can head into next year with a full head of state.
0: Which is again interesting because, um, I guess to what extent can Brett Rattan coach uh, unimpeded by someone sort of looking over his shoulder? And I mean, rats at every opportunity has made it clear I'm just sort of filling in. So I guess that makes his, uh, added his sort of approach to coaching, even subconsciously, a bit different to what it would be if he knew he were the the permanent man for the job. So it's it's sort of it's not ideal, is it? Because yeah, and this is no slide on rats at all, but he would be I reckon he would be coaching differently uh if you know if it was his team. everything. Exactly. If, if he had say that's
1: his first year and he had another two years to go, he would be he'd be putting line three players, whatever the case may be, and looking to the future. So yeah, you're right. it's probably but knowing the sort of person he is, he's going to do what What's best for the club? Um, yeah, he'll probably. No, no, goal seems to been out for a couple of weeks, and he's probably a better ruck than than what Christian's area is at the moment. But he's he's played some kids. Um, is you now that's obviously the best thing for the for you know, the club going forward. But uh, yeah, but it is a highly unusual situation.
0: Well, let's stick with North Melbourne because uh, another story that's come up during the week is the prospect of the Roos getting some draft assistance and that doesn't necessarily mean priority picks. Well, it does in practice because what happened last year was that North were given uh, two tradable picks which they dealt into their you know draft player acquisition hand. Uh, I I'll get your thoughts on this. Mine, in a nutshell, I, I'm very anti this, the way that draft assistance is set up now. In fact, I go so far as to say that the previous system, which people, you know, led to the Melbourne tanking thing or whatever, I actually think that was still preferable to what we have now because I don't think there was that much tanking, to be honest. And I think what we call tanking is just you know, list management or or player management by another name. But there was transparency. Everyone knew how you qualified and who qualified and why for that draft assistance. I don't like this sort of, you know, I call it the Colonel Sanders secret herbs and spices thing, where it's all sort of in-house. We don't know what their thinking is. They never come out and say, well, we're giving them assistance for A, B and C reasons. I don't recall hearing that with North Melbourne last year. And the other thing this year, more importantly, are we really going to condone draft assistance for a team that finishes higher on the ladder than another team that won't get draft assistance, i.e. West Coast? So if you give North Melbourne draft assistance this year and they're not going to finish on the bottom, aren't you obliged to also give it to the bottom team? No, no, you're not. Um
1: because you're giving it to North Melbourne, because their last four years, they finished 17, the eighteenth. Eight. West Coast Eagles, won the previous ship, made the finals in 19, uh, the last two years previous, last year was, what was it? I think your message is right, that the AFL on two fronts, they're going to say, how hey, you qualify for draft assistance, like, yeah, look at the Suns, I mean, they've got extraordinary, and it's going to benefit this year, this year is going to be the big benefit of their academy, and, uh, and they've got Northern territory so there's ex- but now they've they've got a lot of draft assistance but they should be saying how you qualify say so four years and you finish with x amount of, less than x amount of wins over those four years how, whatever it is but you know make it touch and tight but they don't want to do that because they want to have flexibility to help who they like um and also what sort of assistance they will get and uh, what you qualify for so um, I tend to think that North... Now, we don't want a side that's going to be down at the bottom. So, so they finish second last to go next year. Well, they'll be five years in a row. Like it, it's just a weight on the competition. We've got to try and persist it with someone. Now, they've made bad decisions. Okay, so clubs have got to take some responsibility. I understand the argument of that. But they've moved on all those people, so they're new people. Um, I don't think you give them assistance so they can make the finals next year, but by the same token... You want to make them more competitive, and uh, what that looks like, uh, and clubs will complain because they don't want to compromise the draft, and what that looks like. But I'm certainly for North Melbourne in this case. I'm not for West Coast Eagles, not at all. I think they need another two or three years minimum and be down the bottom to actually anything, even think about um, any sort of assistance.
0: You you recognise though the. Um... This sort of ubiquitous look of giving draft assistance to a side that finishes higher on the ladder than a team that doesn't get it. I I'd- no, no, I don't think no, that's
1: doesn't. Not at all. That's their first year. West Coast is on the bottom. North have finished eighteenth or seventh for four years in a row. So everyone, like Sydney this year, they dropped down. Everyone can have a bad year. Everyone can have a we have a lot of injuries, yeah. in whatever the case may be, and it falls apart, yeah. in whatever case. So you can finish. It finish down there and then you can jump back up the next year. Like uh Collingwood before Craig McRae, they finished second last and all of a sudden they jump back and they're in the front left third, So you can have those vagaries of the of the competition in one year to narrow to the next. So no, I
0: don't think West get and So here's an idea, Rocket. Let's I agree with you about it's it should be calculated over a three year period. Let's um apply that to yeah, a three-year period where if you don't win more than a quarter, uh, 25% of your games over those three years, let's call it the perennial poor performance assistance. Ah, oh, hang on a sec. We did do that. We did it between 1993 and 1997, where you couldn't get draft assistance unless you were poor for three years. Ian Collins changed the formula for that from a year-to-year thing based on winning 25% of your games. Which opened the door to allegations of tanking, and then after that, and the Melbourne tanking stuff, which incidentally the AFL never admitted was tanking, they brought it back in house to make it this Oliver Twist system where someone puts out a begging bowl and they give the thumbs up or thumbs down. Absolute cluster, you know what a football administration? Because we had the right system thirty years ago, Rock.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I- that's not what, what I want, but that's not what we're arguing about. We, we you
0: know, No, no, I I, both
1: agree that they should be more definitive and more have more rules around. And even those rules, I'm not, even say three years at 25%, even it's four years at 20%, whatever it may be, and have a bit of flexibility with it, I've, I've, I'm no problem. But I think the thing at the moment is that we all agree with me that it's up in the air, and it seems to me who the AFL like at the time and who they don't like, and I have got a relationship with this bloke, and move on. Um, but I think that I think what we're probably arguing is should should North get it? And I think they should. I think I think they've been poor enough for long enough. But by the same token, we've got to be mindful of how clubs have got to take some responsibility. They can't keep making poor decisions either. Um although now the now Coast someone's moving on to the jury. Is that an administration hierarchy issue as well. So that needs to be looked at. But uh, I think in this situation North, I think, are trying to try their best to move up. They just haven't, they just need a little bit of a help. So, what that looks like, I wouldn't give them, uh, into second round, I wouldn't give them an early pick either. I wouldn't give them, like, they've got pick two at the moment. I wouldn't give them pick three. I think that's too much. And I think that then clubs will chuck up and down, maybe middle of the middle of the draft, pick 10, something like that. Um, maybe late second round or something. I don't know, but uh, yeah, we're interested to see what they come up with.
0: All right, well, let's move on. And um, it's sort of on a similar theme here because uh, the other thorny issue that's come up this week is that about uh, wildcard finals and potentially the final spot in the top eight decided by uh, playoffs between uh, 7v10 and 8v9 on the ladder, which would now take up what currently is the pre-finals by weekend. Now... Okay, I'll shoot first. Uh, I hate this stuff. I hate, A, the Americanizer, the uh, sort of slavish Americanization of our sporting culture. B, brain farts from people in the media who are only ever interested in maximizing broadcasting revenue. And then that flows onto the AFL being said, oh, let's run it out there. Let's um, throw it out to the saps who follow the game and see if they kick up a, a big enough stick. And if they don't, we'll go on with it. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of a competition that already is compromised for integrity by an uneven draw, the draft, the salary cap. So we're going to throw another one in there where it's possible to play finals if you finish bloody 10th on the ladder. Why even have a ladder? Why even have a home and away season if five months of qualifying to finish high up the ladder is all diluted by being able to play finals if you finish 10th? I know we have had
1: well, yeah, don't have a ladder if you're going to have seven play ten. So we need a ladder to be able to... to no, it's been facetious. Um, <laughs> I just see where I'm getting at. Yeah, no, no, I do. And do. And I, I suppose being a traditionalist, I'm a bit like that myself. I'm i I'm 50-50. I'm sitting... I think seven V10 generally is too big a leap. I, I think in a normal situation, not this season uh, as far as the ladder. The ladder, seven V10 and eight V9 would make it a very interesting... Uh, games, because they're really tight. But there's going to be, a, if a win ahead, 7 v 10, they, they could finish two to three games ahead on the ladder, which I think is totally unfair. Totally, and even 8 v 9 might be a gain plus a healthy percentage. And you say, well, they're fruiting themselves over a long period of time to be the better side. It is to generate interest. It is to generate money. Uh, I'm an old dinosaur, Rowan, so I'm a bit more your way, but I can see an upside of interest of that weekend off. Um, they're not going to go any further really because they play an extra game and get injuries, and then it'll be cannon fodder for the next week. But um, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I I, I think seven v ten, no eight v nine. I'm I'm happy to be argued the other way, so I'm um, really thinking things up
0: What What about the? I mean, the pre finals bias. This is another big hobby horse of mine that's introduced enough problems by. Um, putting at risk the advantages of sides that finish top four or oh, win yes. the qualifying final because oh, yeah. they have too long a way off. How does this affect those sides that are higher up the ladder in terms of giving them potentially too much of a break between games? So that's another... No, 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 no
1: I think they're going to play this on the weekend off, so the buyer stays the same. So,
0: yeah, well,
1: yeah. am... 8 fee 9 plays on that weekend off, so it doesn't affect any more for the teams at the title.
0: No, my, my point, yeah, no, okay, that's the same thing. But my point is that the pre-finals by I think, has been an absolute disaster. And, and whilst uh, last year, for example, the sides that won their qualifying finals end up winning the preliminary finals, yeah, his, the, the history of the pre-finals by, which has been in place since 2016, is that a lot of those sides that have finished top four and one qualifying finals end up getting rolled in the preliminary because they haven't played enough footy. So again, all these things and the, the prospect that you can have a side that finishes in the lower half of the ladder playing finals, it's just wrong. It diminishes the whole importance of having a home and away season. Why do we obsess so much about, oh, you know, they can get higher or ladder if it's really just sort of a prelude to this overly long final series? It's so cynical and it's brought to you by people who don't give a toss about the game. All I care about is lining their pockets and grifting off the back of a game that some of us actually love. Geez, it makes me angry.
1: Well, if it, yeah, and, yeah I tend to agree. Uh, I've, I've got no uh, either way. Interesting if the, if the latter was how it at the end of the season was how, how it is now. Yeah. So you will get Essendon to play the Giants who are on the same number of points and a one and a half percent difference. So they're virtually even. Yeah. That'd be interesting. But, to your point, that's probably going to happen once every 10 years. So there's going to be years where Essendon will be, or they'll be in front of ninth, like a game plus a the percentage, maybe even two games, and say, so, well, it is unfair. The um, Western Bulldogs at 7th we'd play 10th, they're half a game ahead, two points ahead. So this season, it would be probably, if you want to be a carnival atmosphere, it's a, it's a great year to have it. But for tradition and for teams that, Work hard over 22 or 23 games now to get into the finals, and it's a it's a marathon. It's not a it's not a quick fix. It gives them a hail mary, doesn't
0: it? Yeah. And, and you know what they'll probably do? They'll probably say, "Oh, we'll do it on a year to year basis." So this year they go, "Oh yeah, we'll have it this year," but next year we're we'll tenth this four game sponsor. no, no, we won't do it this year. But <laughs> I mean, it, it all for mine just impinges on the credibility of the entire competition, and if they stop for two seconds. As they, If they'd stopped for two seconds and thought about it before they introduced the pre-finals by, we would have more teams finishing higher on the ladder rewarded appropriately for the hard work they'd put in. And uh, if you're listening, Andrew Dillon, happy to discuss this at week, in fact, for days, any time you want. Give us a buzz. All right, uh, that's enough news for this week. Uh, Some big games in Round 19. Let's preview On Footyology Previews with Punch. Well, round 19 kicks off with a bumper clash between 7th and 8th on the ladder. Marble Stadium, 7.50 p.m. Essendon take you on the Western Bulldogs. The Bombers are 8th, fell from 5th after that uh, disastrous loss to Geelong, 77 points they were thrashed by. Uh, The Bulldogs also on nine with 8 losses after their heartbreaking 2-point loss to Sydney. Uh, The Bulldogs have won eight of the last nine games against Essendon, including the 2021 Elimination Final. What about Marble Stadium, which is home for both teams? Uh, The Bombers are nine wins and four losses there since the start of last year. have won all four games they've played there this year. The Bulldogs are five wins and four losses so far in 2023. Uh, Interesting personnel issues to talk about, but uh, boy, this is a, a... Massive game in terms of the ladder, isn't it, Rocket? It is.
1: It's, uh, it's as big as, I suppose, the Forts and Collingwood game, but that's going to have no, nothing on where they finish on the ladder. This is, uh, this is big stakes. Um, I think it's going to come down to personnel. I, don't, I really don't know. I think, um, SM were, were really poor last week, which didn't surprise me down here. Once Geelong get on a roll, they had their both their ruckmen out. Um, a defender out, a key defender out, so they were always up against it. And being a young side, the Bulldogs um, probably disappointing with the game against Sydney. I mean, Sydney are, are, are certainly a different side up there, but they've got some problems. Uh, the Bulldogs and really rely on Bolton Pelly, and uh, he he is masking a lot of ills. everyone talks about their midfield, but Dunkley's gone, Bailey Smith's out and been out of form from Bontempelli, Liberals had a good year, There's two. But uh, it was poor last week. There's 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 not much there. Jack McRae's not the player he was, he's playing on a week, Um so they're not the team they were with the midfield. Um uh is a star as we know, but gee shots for goals he couldn't have you know, he missed two or three goals that he should have been able to get. That they, they would be they'd be ruining that one. And that that if they lose this game, that puts some really Young to make the final, so really up against. They've got a tough draw, so it's going to be interesting. Level.
0: Well, it was uh, you mentioned Bailey Smith? He is expected to be available after missing due to illness last week. Uh, they're going to make. A, they have to make at least three changes. Uh, O'Donnell and McNeil are both concussed, so they won't play. And uh, poor young Sam Darcy, boys, he had a. Shocking run. Another nasty injury for him, so he'll be out for a spell as well. Jason Johannesson's still at least a week away from uh, returning from a hamstring injury. And Liam Jones got that nasty broken arm. Um, He's still a couple of weeks away. So they're stretched a bit thin in defence. And, um, yeah, Bailey Smith, uh, boy, they need him back in harness because, as you say, the much-wanted midfield. Isn't uh, flying. Essendon have some issues too. Jaden Um he'll have to pass a fitness test uh, to play this week after he rolled an ankle uh, against the Cats. Uh, Andrew Phillips, back from suspension, badly needed for the Bombers in the ruck, of course, up against uh, Tim English. Sam Draper still a couple of weeks away. That's becoming more of a concern, that uh, hip injury. And uh, Dylan Sheil still sidelined. He's uh, got foot issues, and that doesn't all go well for his return. And Will settlefield they're really missing the big body there. He's closing in on a return, but still not quite there. So, gee, they're thin. Both teams eat it in key areas. Whose absentees matter more, do you think? Jones is
1: a big loss. Jones and Johannesson, those two. They can cover the three they lost last week with all due respect, O'Donnell, McNeil, and Darcy. They'll cover those. Okay. lot may come back in. Josh Bruce. So they'll, they'll be okay. Um, Draper, Shield. Centrefield will be lost because you put him to bottom belly. Um, That'll be interesting one. what they do there. Laverde, if he's out. Um, so I would think Essendon's probably have a bit more impact. Um, where the game will be won and lost, I'll... I don't know. I, I'm i really, I'm not a glass half full on this game. I'm glass half empty. I'm not <laughs> sure what... Who, who's who's what, least bad? Yeah, probably. You know, yeah, like that, I just can't see really one team grabbing hold of the game and, and I've really been, shut the last week, mirror and Parrish are really, and Cordwell, I think he's been a really good player for them.
0: Yeah. I don't think forget, Don't forget Hobbs. Hobbs is probably really, in important.
1: I think they need one of the teams needs to tag. I don't know whether they will. Belly needs to be shut down. Merrick needs to be shut down. If they're prepared to do that, I think that team will win if they're prepared to do that. Because Bond and Belly really is, is just, uh, you know, he, he's the difference. He, he's carrying that team on the back of his on his shoulders. Maybe some help from English, but uh, uh, I'm I'm probably with my heart this week. There we go. I'll go with um
0: I'm gonna go with a bulldogs and a close one. I didn't think you had a heart, but uh how many how many points you're chipping <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Um uh five. Uh, he's got a heart as big as Uh five points the Bulldogs. Yeah, look I'm uh well I'm tipping with my head rather than my heart. And uh yeah, I, I just think the Bulldogs know how to play and they you know, for me, their history here is actually quite important. What is it? Eight wins from nine games. Different coach now, but uh, Luke Beveridge, I think, sort of has some Essendon players worked out, so uh, that might make the difference. I'm going for the Bulldogs by two points, but uh, anyway, look, it's shaping is a, a a really good game and a critical game in the context of the season. <laughs> Saturday afternoon, 1.45 at the MCG. Richmond takes on Hawthorne. Richmond, 11th of the ladder, eight wins, eight losses and a draw. They beat West Coast last week by 38 points. The Hawks, 16th of the ladder, five wins, 12 losses after uh, beating up on a, a pretty insipid North Melbourne last week by 48 points. Uh, last 10 meetings between these two, the Tigers have won seven. There's been a draw and two Hawthorne wins. Richmond at the MCG. Four wins, five losses, and a draw this year. Hawthorne this year at the MCG, just a one victory, four losses. Um, routine sort of win by the Tigers last week, and Hawthorne, as you'd expect, they're in a better place than North Melbourne, so they won that one easily. I don't know, there's a bit of momentum with the Tigers, but to that end, I thought they needed to come out last week and destroy West Coast Rocket, and they really didn't. No, I well, I am not surprised. I, I thought the Eagles had a few players back, I thought the Eagles at home.
1: You now, they've seemed to find something at the moment the last few times they've been there and they've had better efforts, they've been poor away. So yeah, I'm not that that surprised with Richmond. It's Marcus in our discussions now at AFL in the real old days, you just say, Oh, it's a it's a big travel down to Geelong. Then it became travel to Western Australia was talked about. Oh, are they, are they tired coming back? We don't even mention that anymore. That's not even mentioned in Richmond's discussion. They're coming back and they're going to be fatigued from going to Perth. Which uh, is not an issue. They, they now they should be able to cover that. Okay, I this could go either way. The Hawks the on their times they get up and about. They you now their handball game. They they making poor decisions at times and handle too often and get into tight spots. So. It's really, going to depend on the pressure that Richmond bring them. If, if Richmond bring their pressure that they've at MCG the last few times, they should win this game. Uh, Sicily was a little bit down last week, but Will Day become a really good player for them. He's such a tall midfielder, can go back as well, really good with the footy. Newcomb has been okay. Walker played well last week, so their midfield's okay. Um, it's really going to depend on uh, Martin. Um, it's going to depend on Prestia and it's gotta depend on Graham and these players in the middle to be able to put the pressure shot. And I think they've got a bit more to play for than Northwind. That's why I think Richmond will win title one.
0: Uh we'll just talk injuries briefly. Fergus Green uh will have a fitness test. He was subbed out of the win over North Melbourne. That was with a uh, a knee some knee soreness. Uh Chankov Jack Frustrating year for him. Injured his groin in the VFL, so uh, we're not going to see him back. In fact, wonder if we're going to see him again this season. Uh, Richmond, uh, Jaden Short progressing from a hamstring injury. He's been moved from medium to short term now, whatever that means. Uh, Tom Lynch, season over for him. Uh, Toby Nankervis, of course, still suspended until. Round 21, Robbie Tarrant has also retired effective immediately. No great surprise there. He was never going to get on the park. Hey, just want to ask you just quickly, um, that footage of Morris Rioli Jr. on the bench, not wanting to take... Spat the dummy. Spat the dummy. If you were coaching Richmond, would would you think about maybe dropping him for that or is that just one where you just say, hey, you don't do that again?
1: I think you have a discussion with him and talking through that. He's a young fellow. I think in some ways it's, it, it shows he cares about his footy. So he's a bit dirty so, um, and that's, that's the worst thing that's going to happen to him in his career. He's going to be okay. I mean, just be taken off for a quarter of football. It's not the Daniel. but he, he, you need to discuss that with him and have a chat with him. I don't think you drop him. If it was his second time, you'd think about it but uh, certainly not the first time you talk to him about it uh, and that's probably a, advantage of having a coach on the beach sometimes maybe you know McCork is in the in the in
0: the box so one of the other coaches should be able to, to have
1: a chat and discuss that with him at the time
0: uh we're a bit more i'd say interesting we're a bit more forgiving about those things than we were i reckon because i just i saw the footage and i was thinking if this was like i don't know say so 20 years ago and it was north melbourne and and north melbourne the top of the ladder and dennis pagan was coach we, that would be the main topic of discussion all week and I dare say that player wouldn't be in the side for a, a couple of games at least. Now we're, uh, you know, people like you, you're getting all soft in your old age, Rocky. I <laughs> oh, and look, I bet, I bet, mean, I mean, players would crack it just for taking them off.
1: Yeah. Like they're off for five minutes and they spit and chew in and say, listen, we'll got a chat later. Um, yeah, I yeah, I don't think it's a big deal, to be honest. I don't, I don't no, I think
0: you'd move on. No, the, well, I, uh, and as someone who I've actually seen go off their crew and then return to normal very quickly, I guess you have some sympathy for those guys, right? Yeah, I do. I know the coach, but he'll he'll handle his right way. he'll
1: no, He'll he, he was upset, Morris, but he'll get over it and
0: he'll be picked this week. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's see if Richmond can continue an unlikely tilt at the finals. Uh, I'm going to tip them. I think you have to tip them, but not necessarily by heaps. I'm going to go Richmond by twenty-two points. What do you reckon? Uh, Richmond by thirteen. 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 13. All right. Uh, that's the first game on Saturday. There's another one uh, about half an hour later, just down the road. <laughs> Oh dear, this one has got a beat-em-up job written all over it. Uh, 210 Marvel Stadium, Carlton playing West Coast. The Blues up to 10th on the ladder now after a terrific win over Port Adelaide by 50 points. They won their last four games now, the Blues. Uh, West Coast, 18th on the ladder. They've lost 15 in a row now and lost by 38 points to Richmond. Uh, The Eagles used to... Do a number of the Blues. They won seven games in a row between 2015 and 21, but the Blues won the last two and beat West Coast by over 100 points this season back in round seven over in Perth. 108 points they won by. Carlton at Marvel are uh, two wins, three losses this year. West Coast used to have a pretty reasonable record there, but they've lost four of their last five games there. Their only previous appearance there this year was in round one against North Melbourne. When they lost by five points, uh, only one result possible here. Rocket could be very ugly. It
1: could be. This will test the professionalism and the maturity of Carlton. Uh, what they do, uh, some players will think: "Oh, hundred eight points last time, we're on fire, we're on form. This will be okay. We just turn up." Um, so they've got to um, you know. bossy has got to uh, prepare against that and then uh, have that edge. Not that. Uh not the percentage is huge because they've had the draw as far as a, a huge issue. Uh, but it'd be nice to get a good win again. Um, obviously, Richmond, they're competing guys, but they're already 12% in front of Richmond, so it's not a, not a big deal. Um, yeah, you expect them to win. You expect them to win easy. Uh, West Coast have been, except for the last two games at home, have been poor at home and been abhorrent away. Uh, they've been absolutely disgraceful. Uh, so you would think that it would happen again. Nothing to play for. Um, you would think that Carlton, even without Mackay, uh, it depends how long he's going to be out for, affect their chances. But Dacaning did well in the ruck last week. Their midfield, they've played forward football. They've, they've got their DNA, which is uh, their co- their contest and pressure around the ball, and they're not going sideways. It just shows you in the modern football, even not in the modern football. But five years ago, now they go forward to score. Teams go. Now, you've got to go back and go around sometimes. That's fine. But try and take the game on. And Carlton are doing that. They're getting in there. They've got Kurnow's board who gave a great contest. Motlock were four. Silvati four. So you'd think they'll win easy.
0: I, I wrote about the Blues a couple of weeks ago when I was looking at their key indicators. And defensively, uh, their numbers were really good. It was just that sort of stodgy ball movement and whack of of deer going forward with the footy. And and, and often it's just a confidence thing, isn't it? And they've really regained that. And there's a bit of movement and winking up. And the ball's getting in there quicker. The other dimension to this, of course, is that Harry Mackay has now hurt his knee. He's looking at probably at least six weeks on the sidelines. So, you know, would they have to play finals for him to be part of it? It looks like it. But funnily enough, you know, perhaps they might... Kurnow might sort of move with a bit more freedom, a bit un, more unencumbered by Mackay being there as well. It might, perversely, I think, isn't there an argument it might actually work in their favour a bit, given how they've been performing? Yes, could do. There's no doubt. And I think
1: what they're doing now, they're looking for other options as well, getting in quickly. Obviously, Kerno's their main target, but I think that's just more the speed of all movement or their willingness to get it in there, sometimes ad hoc. Um, just get the ball into their forward line and I think previously they wanted they were scared of making mistakes go sideways go short let's play a possession game weren't good enough to carry that out and opposition got the numbers back so it, yes it certainly can help there's no doubt about that but uh, I think uh, uh, I think they shouldn't be so easy
0: they will uh, just a, one quick one on uh, the Eagles this is uh, they won't know what to do with themselves their injury list is down to just 11 now from a uh, a season high, of, like it was twenty twenty two at one stage, it was bizarre. But uh, down to just eleven now, so many players available, they'll have to go around and introduce each other out in the training track. Uh, Nick Nui, not of course, he's definitely. Uh, in fact, we're going. To, I think we might call it the Nick Nui Memorial Injury List next year if Arazio Fantasia ever plays. But stand by, there could be some big news on that one. All right, give us a margin. Uh, 57 points. Seven, I like the way you just pulled that out of you know, where it was like Heinz? 57. <laughs> what was it? 57? What, what was it's it? 57 of flavors or variety? Heinz, was it? Yeah, I don't no. know. Yeah, I don't know. 50. herbs and spices. Yeah, herbs and spices. No, I don't, know what the, I don't know what the significance was. I think there's seven herbs and spices with KFC, whatever, it's bloody bad for you. I don't know that. Uh, all right, I'll okay. go. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go 50s. Carlton 54 for me. Well, Here's another massive clash. Third against fifth. 4.35pm at the Gamma. Brisbane taking on Geelong. Uh, the Lions, are 12 wins, 5 losses. All those 5 losses on the road most recently. And heartbreakingly, uh, the losing the unlosable to Melbourne by a point last week. All goals up with 7 minutes to play and they blew it. Unbelievable. Geelong. Moved up to 5th on the ladder with that power pack 72-point dismantling of Essendon. Last 10 meetings between those two, the won 8-2, including the 2022 preliminary final, which they steamrolled the Lions in by 71 points. Last time they played it for Gabba was round 15, 2021, 20, and Brisbane won that one. Uh, Brisbane, gee, hard to to uh, toss at the Gabba. They've won 18 out of 20 since the start of 2022. All eight games this year. Uh, Geelong at the Gabba, not too bad. They're five wins and two losses since 2020. But, big but, only two of those against Brisbane, and uh, they're the two losses. Uh, All the other ones um, during COVID against non-local, Opponents, uh massive games for both clubs. Uh lives will be devastated by what happened last week. Cats were starting to make a bit of noise. Uh what happens here, Rocket? Yeah, that's a good question. I uh, it's Well answer it. That's your job. It's <laughs> leading towards Geelong a bit
1: uh, they seem to you know we captivated because of our premiers last year and uh they said to be getting their game back. Even though Brisbane lost last week and that last seven minutes was poor. There was a lot to like about what they did. So you would think for three-quarters of the game, there's a lot of positives and their pressure was good. Um, That last, uh, second-last incident where, the second-last goal where Viney stripped it out of McInerney's hand, that lead up from that coming in where Rivers ran through three, four Mm -hmm. uh, Lions players who all got forward of the ball, low behind. And Zorko was tra- trailing rivers in and just walked. And like no one's no, no ever picked up about him, that bad rainer about getting forward from the centre bounce from Brayshaw. Um, so there was a, a, a bit of leadership there, an the issue, I, I thought, um, where the Lions just didn't want to just be able to stop their game, um, be able to force another ball up, numbers around, just just some real basic stuff to be able to shut that game down. Uh, there's a lot to like. The interesting thing for me if they do lose this after what they dominated last week, seeds of doubt will creep in. So this, will be, so this is a big test for them. They do play well at home. For uh, me, it'll depend on Dunkley being available and who's available for each team. But I think it'll be a really close game. I don't think they'll have it all their own way, but surely the crowd does help the Lions up there.
0: Uh, just on personnel, you mentioned him. Uh, Josh Dunkley, uh, massive um in or out for Brisbane but uh, he will get the all clear return after missing the last two games and uh, huge inclusion for this game up against Geelong um, because their midfield is ticking over pretty nicely Um, so Cam Guthrie still a pretty big absentee for the Cats I've written about the Cats this week for ESPN, Rocket and Footyology and I really rate them and I think their best is arguably as good, if not better than anyone else's. But I'm in that place now where I, I just wonder if they're going to be advanced enough to mount a challenge, i.e. I don't think they're going to finish top four, which means you're going to have to win four finals in four weeks. I don't think Geelong now are capable of turning in four big finals type performances for four weeks. Their history this year is they could do it for maybe two, maybe three, but then something goes wrong. And uh, I I just think that's going to stop them. Yeah, I can see them really causing some headaches, but I just think at some stage in this tilt towards last week in September, something will go amiss. I think Brisbane's good enough to win this. As as much as I am a a huge devotee of the Cats, I think they're great, but uh, it's a massive game for Brisbane because of what you said. If they lose this one on the back of last week, the doubts will really start to creep in. And they're a side who we have often talked about. Are they sort of tough enough psychologically anyway? So for that reason, I think Brisbane's going to get up here. I'm going to go for Brisbane by six points. What well, say so you.
1: Yeah, I, I think home ground, home crowd gets uh, about even. I think Dunkley back. If Dunkley played last week and he didn't have a good game, he with the last set of bounce would have forced another ball up. He, he wouldn't have allowed um, Brayshaw, that last boundary throw, and to keep the ball up, at milch, and uh, he, he, he was not manned up. He would have organised it. I missed that leadership and his body strength. I think him back in the side would be a big inclusion. So on the Lions for seven points.
0: All right. We're very similar this week. Well, Saturday evening, 7.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in Perth. Uh, Fremantle taking on Sydney. A hugely disappointing season for the Dockers. They have 15th on the ladder now, just seven wins, and have lost five of their last six after a pretty insipid showing against Collingwood last week, lost by 46 points. The Swans' 14th on the ladder, but still with some vague finals hopes after beating, uh, no, Rocket's shaking his head there, um, uh, beating the Bulldogs by two points. 3-0 3-0 have won four of lost six against the Swans. They did beat them uh, at the SCG back in round nine. Uh, at home, they're 13 wins and eight losses since the start of last year. Sydney uh, haven't fared too badly in Perth. They've won four and lost three, but have won their last two. Yeah, look, I did say unlikely finals charge, Rocket. You don't think they're good enough? No, I don't. I think they've given teams too much of a start.
1: There's too many teams in front of them that's similar, so they'd need to win there's going to be one of those teams in front of them who are, know, who are going to win four or six. So they'll, they would need to end the displace. They would need to win all six, and I don't think they're capable of doing that. Um So I think they'll shake and shake the eight, and I think they'll scare some teams. Um They'll have a tough draw like all Grand Islas do. Um, but they showed a little bit last week. Uh, I thought, you know, I think they're all good and it's, season this year, if it wasn't for Nick Dacos, would be up there. He'd be in the top three or four players of the competition. And now we are talking about him, but Dacos has stolen the, the limelight a bit. And it's marvelous how with the Stanford, how the better players of the competition have changed. Uh three years ago it it's the bigger bodied, even Josh Kennedy and the the inside Bulls wines and these sort of blokes. Now it's Butters, Rosie, Gordon, Nick Dacos. These players are the leader running, skillful players. So the game has changed. Um, and you can tell we've got another player. Martin was another one uh, before Dustin Martin. So uh, we've had, we had a change in the guard, but different type of bodies. They were now the better players in the competition.
0: That's a really interesting observation. I would argue very strongly just from an aesthetic point of view, that is fantastic for the game. And that's with all due respect to the big body players because you need them as well. But we want to see dash, and we want to see flair, and we want to see skill. Uh, Golden, Dacos, etc. Are full of that. That's that we want to encourage. That we're definitely seeing more of that. Do you think it's been a, a huge win for the game?
1: Oh, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. I think it's a it's a it's a it's a really big positive. I think their ability to to burst out of stoppage or get on the end of it as well. I mean, they're still uh, inside players. All those players I mentioned win their own ball. And tackle really well, but they're good kicks and so they set the game up. Butters will take two or three players on and bounce around the go. Rosie's a star, and we know what Nick Dacos was looking good and it had to be close to the best kick in the competition. His ability to hit a target with a spear pass of 40, 50 metres is, is fantastic. So he said he elevated himself.
0: All right, let's just talk personnel quickly for this game. Uh, Sydney should get Chad Warner back for that trip to Perth. They'll lose Willis Malikin. He was injured against the Bulldogs. And Jake Lloyd should return this week too after uh, being a concussion protocol. So Warner and Lloyd back obviously really helps that midfield. Uh, Injuries are a bit of an issue to the Dockers now. Darcy and Walker both uh, injured last week. Um... Confirmed Patel attended injury for Walker, so that's probably season done for him. Darcy whipped from the field against Collingwood, uh, was on crutches afterwards, but uh hopefully he'll still play again this season, not this week, though. Uh <laughs> Matt Tabaner, believe it or not, the uh patron saint of the Razio Fantasia Memorial injury list, he's pushing to play after uh uh will manage minutes at Waffle level after long-term back injury. Hayden Young, test on an ankle. Uh, It's just been a very miserable season for the Dockers, not just because of injuries, but that's certainly been uh, a factor. Yeah, Warner and um, Lloyd back tips me here. I'm I'm tempted to go for the Swans and uh, I'm going to go for the Swans. I'm going to go for the Swans by not a what? Eight points. Yeah, uh, I won't tip Fremantle again. Uh, Ever? this season oh, God.
1: Uh, uh, they are so disappointing yeah. Um and uh no i think the swans warner and lloyd back uh they've got a bit of uh they're up and about at the moment they've got an issue in the ruck but having said that with darcy out it's not going to be exposed um so i think uh the swans by 15 points
0: all right both going the Swannies, even in Perth. Doesn't get any better than this. One V two on the ladder. Port Adelaide v. Collingwood, Adelaide Oval, 7 40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Saturday evening. Uh, the power fourteen and three. Disappointing 50-point loss to Carlton, but uh boy, they had some personnel out and they had won 13 in a row. The pies first on the ladder, fifteen and two after a very clinical dispatch of Frio by 46 points. Their last 10 meetings, Port have won 6, Collingwood have won 4. They did lose to Collingwood by 71 points in round 2 this year in the MCG, and prior to last week, that was the Powers' last... Oh no, it wasn't their last loss, they lost in the showdown, I'll take that back. Uh, What about Adelaide Oval? Port Adelaide have won 15 of their last 18 games there. Collingwood though, uh, how's this for a record for... um, uh, an interstate road trip. The Pies have won their last seven games at Adelaide Oval, though in fairness that does include a win over St Kilda in the gather round, but they did beat Adelaide earlier this season in a thriller by one point. I'll talk um, injuries uh, in a menace, uh, good news for both clubs, but boy, this is, uh, is this a grand final preview, Robert? You certainly think so. Uh, I think uh, I think Port
1: have got more to worry about making a grand final in Collingwood. I think Collingwood is too out is to get there. Port have won a lot of games, a lot of close games, um, which is not a bad thing. You know, that's some Collingwood did last year. But uh, I think Port's biggest issue is going to be to be able to get their best players on the park when it counts. I think the teams just underneath them can really challenge them, to be honest. And they had quite a few last week. That's sort of that's. It's fair enough the why they played, but you'd have to back Common this week. Maynard's uh, throwing the hand grenade um, and ought to be able to stand up, see if they've got the medal to be able to do that. Uh, it'd be interesting to me, Hinkley, because they'll play Common with a guy. Does Hinkley show his hand this week and what he do with Dacos? Do you keep the powder dry? Do you test it this week with someone else other than who you're going with? And um, just see that it works, you just do it for a quarter. Because Dave and we've spoken about it before, you, you can't just let Dacos on around. You, you can't do it. I know they've got to go here. They've got other players. You can't. It doesn't even have to be a full tag, but you've got to be you've got to be some responsibility to him. And I know he's good in tight and he's got great hands. He's a fantastic player. But you've got to, like Ben Coates did it for Adelaide, you've got to try and nullify his You're not going to bring him down to... Uh, 15 possessions, but you've
0: got to nullify his effectiveness. So it's interesting to see what inkley does and what both teams do as far as their tactics. Interesting what they do with selection as well. Collingwood could potentially regain uh, Darcy Cameron and Brodie Majercek. Uh Majercek has missed two now, the hamstring injury, and Cameron has missed, uh, just missed a one, I think, after a back injury. You mentioned Braden Maynard. He's got uh, ongoing shoulder issues, but will soldier on, uh, as he's wont to do. Uh, Big personnel news to Port Adelaide, uh, and that is mainly Charlie Dixon and Jason Horn francis both expected to return after missing last week. Zach Butters was rested in the last quarter last week, but uh, should be okay. And even Trent McKenzie uh, has just missed the one game with what initially appeared a pretty serious ankle injury. Even he, not without hope of returning this week. Gee, What's changed since that round two game. I mean, Porter just so much more highly rated. And even Collingwood, you know, I think even at the start of his season, people still had some, eh, yeah, but they just win a lot of close games. Well, we see them in a whole new light now. I don't know. I've just, I've got a hunch with this one. I'm just thinking uh, they've won their last four the pies since uh, four or five since they lost to Melbourne on Queen's birthday. I just reckon, though it's a, it's a psychologically, it's a big one for Port, I think. Whereas if Collingwood were to drop this in Adelaide against the second team in a ladder, I don't think people would say, oh, do we have question marks out of the pies? If Collingwood beat Port in this one in Adelaide, I think the ramifications for that are more serious for Port, which is why I think the motivation might be just a little bit better. And uh, I know, you know, it's pretty risk. Uh, um, torn tipping against the top team. but That's what I've tended to, t- tempted to do. I'll give you a margin. What Do you understand my thinking on this one, Robert? Yeah, it's a very convoluted role, but it's there somewhere. <laughs> there is some, some sense that will come out of that. Um,
1: yeah, I, I, know, I can see your point. They've got more motivation, but I think Collingwood's motivation will be, I think they'll be up for this one. I think they'll be they more chance dropping something over the next four or five weeks. Because if I was Collingwood, I'd throw everything at this game and then I'd be resting Maynard at some stage. I, uh, I'd be resting players. So They took Penelbury off last week. I then got the chance now of being giving players a bit of a freshen up. So, um, so For me, I think they'll go all guns players for this one. Um, I think the Pies will win. And, uh, uh, I don't think it'll be too much. I don't think Port will give a good account of themselves. And I, I, you know, I'd wait for it, but I think
0: I'll end with it by 13. No, uh, we 17 points. I don't know. Gosh, I don't know. All right. They have got a three game buffer in the top two. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of margin for a slip up or a couple, Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, and no, I, see, I see where you're going. But, uh, yeah, I'm going I'm to stick with the very, very minor upset it would be for this one. I'm going for Port Adelaide by four points. Uh, Fingers crossed, it is as epic a game as it promises to be. GWS are back in Canberra, their second home, 1.10pm Sunday afternoon, Marnie Karoval, GWS taking on Gold Coast, their ninth of the ladder of Giants, and have won six of their last seven after a fantastic win over Adelaide on the road last week by 14 points. Came from about three goals down in that last quarter and held the Crows goalless in that last term. Fantastic effort. Gold Coast uh, sacked their coach but got a win. 13th on the ladder, 8 and 9 now after a 26 point win over St Kilda. GWS have won 10 of the last 11 clashes between these two, uh, including last year round three when they won by 26 points. That was the last time they played. She's more than a season and a half since they played. GWS. Their record at Marnica, this is the interesting thing, it's shocking. They've lost their last nine games in Canberra, haven't won there since Round 7 in 2019. Uh, wow, that's amazing. Gold Coast have won one and lost two at Marnica. Their last visit, though, or their last win, sorry, was in 2015. Uh, well, the Giants, they got serious finals, hopes in the Suns have some sort of nominal finals, though, even though they've got an interim coach. Or I'll see what you. What if I sacked the coach and the team ended up making finals? That would be bizarre. Yeah, I, I,
1: it'd be interesting how you interpret that. Do they make the wrong decision? Do they respond and actually play better? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Right? Oh, this game, I you know and I'll create a, a wrap for the for the Giants and they're starting to... Get over the line in in tight and close games. Now, they've lost most of their games by well, three or 20 points or less. So they've been competitive. Uh, they're showing some really good signs. Kelly bounced back last week. Uh, Green, we know, is a star. Tom Green was out last week and it probably be be backs going to add to them. Whitfield's 200th game. I know they haven't won in Monica. Um, they're probably uh, thinking the GWS, Pierce, i played at night. When it's, um, cold weather wouldn't we'll suit the. Uh, the Boston Buns coming down out of their little warm area. Um, but, uh, no, I think I, it'll be a close game. I don't think it need much in the game, but I, I, think that, I think the Giants have shown they've got a bit to play for and I don't think they might get over a lot.
0: Uh, just some personal issues. Uh, the Giants will put Finn Callaghan through a fitness test later this week. Uh, he's had a hip injury. Uh, Tom Green, important player, obviously. He's still another fortnight away with a hamstring. Issue Gold Coast, about the one thing. Well, one thing has been good for him this year is they've had a really short injury list. Uh, Joel Jeffrey, still three weeks away, pretty hard to see him playing this year. But bad news to the Suns last week Lockie Weller uh, confirmed a second ACL injury in just over a year. Uh, initially, thought he just had some swelling around the knee after the loss to Port Adelaide, but uh, additional scans confirmed the worst and he is done probably until late next year. Shocking luck for a pretty honest toiler for the Suns. Um, I think GWS gets it done pretty easily here, and then we sort of officially say goodbye to the Suns for the year. I think this is a good chance for the Giants to, you know, not have to scrap and scrape and win one, uh, you know, with only a little bit to spare. I think that can sort of open the shoulders and go the tonk in cricket parlance, with this one, I'm going for GWS to win this one by 32 points. What do you reckon? I think the Giants by 19. 19. Okay, bit more face in my sons than I do. All right, uh, another cracking game on Sunday afternoon at the G. <laughs> Well, Melbourne came from the clouds to snatch victory against Brisbane last week. They're at home again this week against Adelaide in a big game for the Crows now after two losses in a row. Could be season-defining this one. 3.20pm at the MCG. Melbourne are fourth on the ladder, 11-6 after that uh, one-point win over the Lions. Uh, their last eight games, Melbourne, have been decided by 21 points or less. So uh, they've been involved in some tight ones. And uh, Melbourne and Adelaide, the last 10, Melbourne have won six and lost four. They're eight out of nine at the MCG this year. Adelaide, the MCG, only a few weeks back against Collingwood, where very, very newly took the points, lost by just two points. But they have, for all that, lost their last six games at the ground, their last victory there back in 2016. Uh, Crucial. Well, it's crucial for both, isn't it? Melbourne got to preserve a top four and um, Adelaide, well, they need to try to uh, scramble their way back into the top eight. Can they do it, Rocket?
1: Yeah, they need to arrest this uh, little bit of a fall slump um, and it's not great pickings for them when they're going to play away. You know The record away this season has been very poor. Uh, they let one drop last week that they should have been able to win. Uh, I think it's Kurt's full that- honest, you no, know, but I'm a rap from you know, being the I think they their skill level, their ability to move the ball. I think they've lost their deer. I think they seem to worry about mistakes, or they they now they seem you know, to putting more pressure on them, so they're making more mistakes. And they're going back into their shell, uh, and they're not giving their forwards the delivery and the access that they've had previously, and the number of inside fifties. So I think Melbourne's defence system has been terrific. Petraka needs to play forward. Melcham, and, and, and I was really pleased with him last week. He, he has got a lot of talent. They probably can't play him and Fritsch in the same side. That's probably what they're thinking. Well, I think they can because their tools, their tools give them nothing. Uh, so I think having Melcham, there, he, he's a great kick for golf, and he only needs a couple of opportunities. So um, I I think really pleased for them that they're able to stick it out and show a bit of uh, netto-mortitude in the end. So, yeah, I think that can be the
0: He's a lovely guy, Jake Milksham. I was so, yeah, I think a lot of people in footy were really wrapped for him bobbing up and doing that last week, and he, he was terrific. It wasn't just the goals either. What about that contested grab he took that set up the, the goal to pick it, which launched the, the comeback? He was terrific. So uh, let's hope he can hold his spot in the side just on personnel issues. Petty um, subbed out for the demons for a second week with a rib injury yet to be cleared to play this week so you'd have to think he's a bit doubtful uh Michael Hibbert successfully returned uh to play in a an inter-club VFL you know he's had a kidney issue so uh hopefully he can still make a play at coming back uh Clayton Oliver still uh on the sidelines for well we're saying the latest prognosis I think is about three weeks so do I think
1: say that? And I know Melbourne have come out in defence, but they've buggered that out completely. They've absolutely stuffed that up there. So whether it's their high performance area, whether it's the medical, or whether it's Clayton Oliver, or, and they didn't control it, whatever the case may be, they've completely stuffed that up, and it may have stuffed that season.
0: Yeah, it's a big call. Uh, I mean, not...
1: oh, it's been so long; it's ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah. They've, made, they've made some bad judgment calls along the way, whoever that is. Yeah. Um, and I know Clayton hearing that Clayton's the sort of guy, well, no, I think I'm right, so I'm going to go out and do things, and whether he's pushed the envelope too much without control, um, maybe it might be an issue, but by the same token, there someone there has got to take some responsibility because they've made a complete mess of that.
0: Yeah, well, strong words, and uh, yeah, look, I understand you going that view because he's so crucial to them, and uh, we've got finals coming up, and you're right, I mean, whenever he if, when he, or when he does come back, he's at the very best case scenario going to be horribly underdone, isn't he? And, and is he going to spend most of the final series playing himself back into fall? Um, uh, so interesting one for him. Uh, the Crows pretty injury free at this stage, but Josh Rochelle suspended for two weeks after, uh, well, fair to say getting sucked in by um, some uh, fairly physical Work on him from the Giants last week. Uh, I think the Demons get it done. I think they'll get a real boost out of that amazing comeback win last week. Um, Not necessarily by a lot, but I'm going to go for Melbourne by 16 points. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think uh, Melbourne, um, yeah, about three goals. Yeah, 17 points. Okay. right. Melbourne, 17 points. For you. All right, one game to complete the round. Let's have a chat about that one. <laughs> round 19 wraps up at Marvel Stadium 4 40 pm with St Kilda taking on North Melbourne. The Saints are still hanging in there in the top eight, six at nine and eight after some pretty ordinary form. They lost to Gold Coast last week by 26 points. North, uh, we talked about them off the top of the show, 17th on the ladder. Uh, have lost 15 games in a row now. Pretty um, all-showing. It's awful. A 48-point loss in that one. These two last 10 meetings have been split 5-5, five and five, but St Kilda have won the last three. St Kilda won 11 and lost 10 at Barrels since the start of last year. North Melbourne, their home ground as well. Only won three and lost 15 over the same period. Uh, I'll, I'll do the injuries straight up for top here. St Kilda could regain Jack Billings and Jack Higgins for this match. Billings missed a trip to Queensland last week with a thumb injury. Higgins has been out for a fortnight with a knee. issue. Zane Cordy a chance to be available and a uh, King and Membry, uh, ooh, both at least three weeks away. Might be it, curtains for the season for both of them. Uh, North Melbourne, unfortunately talented youngster, George Wardlaw. Bad hamstring injury and he's going to miss most of the next month. Cam Zerha, uh, ankle injury, no certainty to play again this season. And Cal Coleman-Jones, second concussion for the season for him, and he's going to be miss at least a fortnight. Simkin has had two concussions in a short space of time, so I think he's pretty doubtful as well. And Archer, Perez and Shields all face fitness tests. So it's all going pear-shaped for the ruse. Not only are they playing... All oh, footy, but uh, probably not so surprising when you have a look at um, who's unavailable and, and who's injured now. How are they going to get a team on the park and even make it vaguely competitive right? Yes, uh, Yeah, it's
1: going to be difficult, which uh, is sad news for Brett. And i imagine this game here that we um, uh, emotionally invested against the, t- the club that sacked him last year. Yeah. So um, he'd be stealing, uh a, a bit of emotion going the game. But uh, as you said, he. They're being in poor form. They're losing players. Uh, even though Secure have not been playing well, you'd, you'd expect the Saints to get the job done here. And you know, North are really just falling off a cliff. Really battling. And so are out. That limits uh, their goal-kicking ability. Um, Larky you can kick goals, but, gee, body language is poor at times. and spits the dummy and seems to blame his teammates and, uh, I think he's uh, he's old enough to be the leader in the sense that now he's 25 years of age. He should be, should be better than that. McDonald seems to be battling. Seems to gone from a best and fairest winner two years ago to a guy that's really struggling to cope with AFL football at the moment. Um, Zebra as well. They've really got some decisions to make at the end of the year. But yeah, I think the season end of the season can't come too quick. Can't come quick enough for neither side to win this one.
0: You you do look at them at the moment of the rules and think that the on-field leadership has really been found wanting, hasn't it? And it's sort of it's sort of tied up with what you were saying there. Most of their on-field leaders are right in the literally the the twilight few games of their careers. I mean, look, let's be honest about Cunnington; he's gone. Goldstein just about gone, and McDonald really Batwing and Zebul just about gone. So, uh, I guess. It must be when you know the end is nigh and you're playing in one of the bottom couple of teams on the ladder and getting your bum kicked every week, it's going to be pretty difficult to find that motivation to still continue to weed properly.
1: Yeah, and yeah, but they should be better than that, at least and, you know the leadership uh, around them and that's one thing they can that they can offer and support and uh, protect the young players. So, But, you know, times, you know, Father Tom catches up, you just, you just all over. You're just, you know, the body don't cut yeah, you know, your mind is right, but your body just can't get there. So, um, yeah, I think those older players probably end of the year or will be finished just not sooner. All
0: right, well, that gives a tip and uh, margin. Say so it's by forty one points. Forty one. And so, oh no, you went for Collingwood by fifty seven. So, I like you. You 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 pretty. Um, you're out there with your margin tipping. I like it. Ruth. I'm far more conservative. I I just tip the winners. Um, A little drive-by there. You give me a few clicks, I give you one right at the end. (laughs) All right, good stuff. Good discussions today. And uh, as you did say at the top of the show, this is a a terrific round. This is definitely one of the best, if not the best, round of a season in terms of important games with real meaning for the top half of the ladder. So let's hope we're served up something appropriate of games of that status. Uh, Thanks for your company, everyone. Hope your team gets a win over the weekend. Uh, We'll talk to you next week.